I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP show. Full show notes for this episode can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 311. Before we chat with today's guest, here's a quick message from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by the 90 Day Mentoring Challenge. It's amazing what can change in 90 days. Just look at the effects of COVID and how that changed our lives in the first 90 days starting in March 2020. The past year, I've had the pleasure of mentoring hundreds of people. I've got people on the 90 Day Challenge right now for the 2021 program, but I'll be opening the 2022 uh, program uh, sometime in the future if you're interested and want to uh, further your career in Microsoft business applications, check out nz365guy.com forward slash mentoring. Now, let's get on with the show. Well, today's guest is from the United Kingdom. He's the founder of Ready365. He was recently awarded uh, MVP. He's a Microsoft certified trainer and delivers training across Europe. Uh, on Azure and the Power Platform. He's been involved with Dynamics and Serum version 1.0 and made his first community contribution in 2007 on the MSD, uh, MSDN Code Gallery for Serum 4.0. You can follow him on Twitter at Julian Dynamics. Welcome to the show, Julian Sharp. Hello, Mark. That was uh, perfect. <laughs> so, um, Serum version 1.0, like I started at version 1.2, so 1.0 was 2003. You must have been in from the start of that year, or were you on a pre-release? Uh, we were on, we pretty much decided, we heard about it, because we were busy doing Siebel work at the time, and we got really fed up with Siebel. Uh, we heard, and we were cross-trading in .NET, and we heard about Microsoft CRM. So we thought, we've got to get into this. So we begged and got on, and we got version one very early before it was released in the UK. Probably only a couple of months before 1.2 came out, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They released it both 1 and 1.2 in the same year. Yeah. One at the start, one towards the end of november I think. you got a better memory than me. It's a blur back there. <laughs> so tell me about... What does Julian get up to when you're not working, when you're not focused on Microsoft stuff, being an MVP, that type of thing? What do you do? Where are you from in the United Kingdom specifically? And uh, tell us a bit about you. Uh, I was born in Nottingham, but I've I've worked all over the UK and ended up back in Nottingham, uh, rather because it was, um, I didn't know where else to go. I've been in London, I've been in Edinburgh, I've been in Newcastle for several years, and wow. ended up uh, back in Nottingham and... Um, what do I do when I'm not working? Well, last year has been a bit odd because normally I travel an awful lot. I I was pretty much on the road uh, training all over Europe and the UK, solidly. Uh, and last year I've just been at home, haven't really moved from this chair. Wow. <laughs> wow. So have you delivered a lot of training online through that year? 
Oh yeah, I've, I we spotted quite early because my wife's a translator. She translates Italian, so she saw very early. She's got friends over in Italy. What was happening over there? We, I pivoted to doing online training very very quickly. I persuaded a lot of people to go for it, and um, so yes, I've been doing pretty much all online training for the last well, 12, 13 months. Uh, and that's also allowed me to do a lot more than just Europe. I've been doing worldwide uh, training. Interesting, because, you know, in a similar situation, I've been since around October last year. Um, I took the first six months off when the, the pandemic hit to build my home, and I purposely didn't go after any work. And then from October to this month, just till and uh, what we're recording this in, April? Are we in April? May. We're in May now. Um, so to the end of April, I've been training as well and trained probably between uh, well over a thousand, probably closer to 1500 people in that time. Um, and that's been across uh, EMEA, America and uh, Asia, uh, doing a heck of a lot of training um, for Microsoft. And it's interesting, right, in that I was doing some training before, but, you know, I'd have to get on a plane and go there to do it, particularly when I was living in London. And now it's just like you can reach a massive audience and online and um, you can really do quite a good experience outside of a physical classroom. Yeah, sometimes it goes really well. I think it depends on the the people who attend and how interactive they are. Some days I felt like I've just been talking to my camera with no interaction at all other days it's been really great interesting so do you do all your teaching with your camera on i do yes wow so i i use some on some off so if i have a like a workshop group interaction that type of thing i get everyone with their cameras on but if i'm just um you know going through content doing knowledge transfer i tend not to have my camera on I tend to mainly have it on. I mean, the the thing that's interesting over the last year in training is all the long courses. I haven't done anything over two days apart from uh, one minor marketing course. It's all been one day and two day, mainly one day courses like this week I'm doing four one days. Uh, Therefore, they are pretty much uh, knowledge dissemination rather than what I call classic training. bit of hands-on, a bit of a very much introductory uh, level, actually. Uh, maybe the people got, well, we're calling, I'm doing one tomorrow, which is called advanced, but it, it's an introductory. It's the second day of a, a an introduction. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So across your time, and I know you've done a lot in certification, a lot in training. What have you noticed, particularly from the days when, even back, you know, in the early days of CRM, Dynamics 365, um, CE, that type of thing, we would do exams back then, let's say once every three years, um, to certify for a new product. In the last two years, uh, I don't know what the numbers are, but I think the number of certifications have absolutely exploded. Yeah, it's over a dozen when you take around Dynamics and the Power Platform. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. So there's over a dozen now, yeah, is it? Okay. I, and they've also replaced them, and so we went from MB200 to PL200, so some have been and gone in those two years. Yeah. What What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, in the past, it was a 
exams every two to three years and they were, they were very similar there's like three of them i think there was an installation a customization and an applications exam so we had like yeah, three and then and you'd have individuals wouldn't you you'd have wouldn't you have uh a custom was customer service a separate exam than sales uh, it did swap out for a bit then it went back into one and then it went back out again it's it was a little bit um unsure of what it was but yeah, but yeah, I think if we look at the CM 2015 time frame, it was like one exam at that time. So what, what do you think of it in general? I, I prefer the new exams. This new role-based approach is much better than the old product focus, where I used to remember training people. I said, these are the numbers you need to remember. Like there were 28 entities that had could have SharePoint enabled on them or something stupid like that. Um, and we had to remember all the facts. And it was all about knowledge. And it was, wasn't very – it wasn't – and it was mainly people doing it because they had to uh, for partner competency level. Uh, the word, and I, when I started, it was all partners and people getting certified because of the partners. Now I train a lot of people who are, it's probably 50% partners, it's probably even less. It's been getting less, less over time, more and more end users who wanted to learn. And the new certifications are very much about the role and they're much broader. I think they're a lot, lot better than they were in terms of the exams. They're still things I don't like about some of them. Some of them I don't think are rigorous enough. Uh, but they are a lot, lot better than they were even two years ago. Are you involved in writing exams as in creating questions? I have done that. I um, I was involved in one of the exams and I've done a technical review of, of another. But I've, I've actually, the problem is if you get involved in writing the exam questions, you can't teach the course. So I don't tend to do that. What I tend to do is get involved in the job task analysis and the objective domain reviews. JTAs, yeah. JTAs, which is about setting the uh, scope of the exams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's more where I can add value. I do actually also write uh, items for Measure Up, who are the practice test, official, the Microsoft official practice test supplier. So I've written quite a few of the questions for that, and I quite enjoy that because actually they're more rigorous than Microsoft are in the process. Is that right? Interesting. Yeah, they are now, anyway. I mean, they were bought out by. Uh, they always had a bit of a reputation for being a bit. Uh, I mean, a long time ago, it wasn't very good, but they they were bought out by another company. And they're really strong in quality now. Well, for a long time, you could never get um, uh, any type of you know test tools. Like when I, I think my first certification that I did was NT four. You know, way back in the day. And you could get these tools that were exam simulators, you know, so um, it would it would operate like an exam experience, you know, um, and, and, you know, help you learn. Yeah, that's what Measure Up does. The way you write the questions is you, you have to write why you got it right or wrong and explain why, give references. Uh, they're really good for actually learning. They're an alternative learning method. You use that. It's not, I wouldn't use it straight off because you need to do learning and use the measure really to polish uh, your knowledge. I, I, I always say learning. Learning people, learn, everybody learns in different ways. Some people like to read. Some people like to do. Some people like to listen to videos or podcasts. I think it's a mixture of all of them you have to do. And you should always get more than one source of training, whether that's using Microsoft Learn, which is actually really good now, uh, using Measure Up, using instructor-led training, using the webinars that Microsoft puts on. You should, you should get a mixture. Interesting you talk about ILT, instructor-led training, because, you know, what I've noticed is that back in the day when, you know, I started training, um, we had 
uh, mock Microsoft official courseware. It was robustly written. You know, every lab was um, broken into three different levels. So you could have, um, here's the scenario, build it, you know, so you're an expert. Next one would be, um, you know, here's some things that you need to be aware of to do to get this outcome. And then the third one would be full step by step, right? So they were detailed and, and the, the, you know, they're like massive, Telephone, you know, for those that have heard of a telephone book in the old days, <laughs> yeah, they were solid. massive tombs of you know paper, you know, to 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 work your way through. And some courses would have three or four of these, depending on the size of the course. It was very thoroughly written content. You don't seem to get that anymore these days. And then in instructor-led scenarios, like I had a student reach out to me in the UK actually, and he had done, I think it was. Mm, uh, I, I was involved in creating a lot of training material for Microsoft about two, three years ago. Three years, yeah, I remember, yeah. And um, they did a dump of the the transcript out of that, and that became the courseware. I know, I remember, yeah. They they because you recorded some videos, didn't you? And they took the, they transcribed it. That became the the, the text in the courseware. Yeah, and and that's and so then he went and attended a class in the UK. And he couldn't believe that what was handed out was the transcript of that. And he had done the full online training and the instructor knew very little um, more than than what was there, like had no experience with dynamics, that type of thing. Yeah, well, that's actually how I got into doing training. We uh, we got asked by Microsoft in 2007 saying, we've got a problem with training because partners and people are going to training courses and finding out the instructor's just a page ahead of them in the book. Yeah, that's it. So they said we need somebody who can knows the product inside out, um, who can train. So they actually put us through a train the trainer program and got us to do training, and that's how we got into it 13, 14 years ago. Well, well, that brings up something else. Then MCTs, Microsoft Certified Trainers. You know, we've once again, kind of like MVPs, we've seen a proliferation of MCTs in the last 24 months. Um, I think I'm coming up 15 years as an MCT. And um, and when I had when I became an MCT, it was hard yak. Like I had to do a week-long train-the-trainer course by CompTIA, um, the CTT Plus course, I was videoed in front of a camera that went off to a certification body to make sure that, you know, I could deliver. And you were really educated in how adults learn and accommodating different learning styles for an adult educator. Nowadays, it seems like you've taught a class to, you know, five of your colleagues at work. Boom, you can submit that and you're a trainer. Yeah, I went through a similar thing to you. I went on a week-long course down at Microsoft in Reading in the UK, and they put us through, and then at the end, you had to present back. And all the time, we were doing little exercises, learning how people learn. And we still got those. I mean, uh, some some MCTs run a course where they go through the, that whole train, the trainer process, how people learn and how to handle a classroom, and all those things you need to know rather than the technical things. And we were actually going to do one, uh, three, four of us MCTs in the UK. We are going to run one of those last june we had to cancel it then we put it off to october and then we had to cancel it so i hope we're going to run that again next year because right now you, you becoming an mct is very easy and i'm a bit unsure about that because you, 
I know I wasn't very good when I started and I had been through that course and I got a lot better. You get better the more you do it, but you still need to know how to handle class and what, what could go wrong and how understand how people learn. And, and that's what we were planning to do. I was planning to do a, a two days on how to teach dynamics for, for MCTs who aren't dynamics trade or power platforms. So they, little cross trades. So we were so short of dynamics and power platform MCTs 18 months ago. We had, I think we were like not less than 1% of the entire MCT body. But this is the crazy thing. Now you've got a, a, a lot of MCTs. I would be surprised if they've taught more than two classes in a calendar year, um, not done any adult education program whatsoever. It seems like, how did that requirement just get shoved under the carpet yeah i don't know i think there was a demand just to create more mcts but i now think the mct program is thinking about what the quality uh, there's a change coming in that we've all got to use metrics that matter mm-hmm. uh, so but i've been using metrics that matter for 10 years now like i have my own account i do all my classes through mtm it was it was part and parcel you know like it's gone through mtm has gone through so many owners even in the time that you know, you see it keep someone else has bought it and, it, you know, slight changes happen. Still a very clunky website to use, in my opinion. Yeah, the, the other thing, at the moment, becoming an MCT was free. Um, that's going to stop soon. So I think a lot of people, when they come to renew, who became an MCT last year, will go, well, I'm going to have to pay now. What is it, six, seven hundred pounds, depending which country you're in? And they go, is it going to be worth it for me? Lots of become MCTs for the benefits. That was the other weird thing for, you know, my entire career in the space has been around 800 US dollars, you know, to to become, you know, you had to pay each year to be an MCT. And then when COVID happened, they said, okay, you're not getting the chance to teach. So they, um, in that case, they refunded my MCT for last year. And then this year when I renewed, I said, once again, they said due to COVID, bang, no cost. Um I assume they're going to bring that back. Are they aiming to make a heap of money off all these MCTs that have jumped in, or will a whole bunch of MCTs go to alum and uh, opt out? I think a lot will go to alumni when it when they, I think it's the end of June, the marks of financial year. They haven't said anything, but I, I don't think they're going to make it free after that. And we had an MCT summit uh, two, three weeks ago. I don't know if you caught any of it, uh, but. Uh, but they, I was expecting an announcement about it, but they didn't say very much. And of course, the reason there's this great proliferation of certifications is that um, Microsoft Biz Apps training has always sat within the Microsoft Biz Apps team. And then about two to three years ago, it moved across to what's called worldwide learning, which is responsible for all technologies and learning in Microsoft. And that's why there's been this massive proliferation. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think Microsoft has brought in certification. All learning is now a top five priority in Microsoft. It's really enhanced the uh, visibility and the need for certification. And uh, you know, if you know, all Microsoft uh, f- customer-facing staff must get certified. Uh, I, in fact, I, I've been training uh, last Friday. I was training some in. Um, I think I did the Dynamics Fundamentals one day exam prep for. Customers, uh, the customer success managers, and I've tr- I've trained a number of them two or three times now. They've got a, f- a couple of them have got two or three certifications, so that shows it, Microsoft is pushing it. I, I, I'm a, I am a fan of certification as far as it goes. Uh, it's really just to show a basic competence. It's really a starting point. Um, 
And I'm a big fan of fundamentals in general. I think they're really good for people to get a good overview of something because people tend to get too narrow. Yeah, fundamentals is always the actual, the gold. Like in training, whenever you did the foundations courses or that type of stuff, I would always recommend those, as you say, over narrowing down because you got 90% of what you're going to use every day in those foundation courses. And they were always larger courses. Even, heck, I remember early on in my career when um, I was sitting on an Excel training course and the, the foundations course was two days long and then the intermediate was a day and the advanced was a day. And the reason the foundations was so long is because that was fundamentals, right? You really needed to know all this um, about the product. You need to understand what it's capable of. I think that's a really important thing. And I've done some training for companies who are adopting dynamics and I've trained like that, not just the IT team, not people involved in a project, but the business analysts, some of the subject matter experts, some end users, and I've got them all in for like two days of fundamentals. Because they've, they've had, they've seen demos. In fact, actually not many of them had actually even seen a demo of it before, but they were going to be implementing it. So I thought, let you understand what you're going to let yourself in for, what's actually the breadth of this. And actually they really quite enjoyed to see what was possible, especially on the Power Platform. They actually got me back, the Dynamics Fundamentals, they got me back to the Power Platform as well. Tell me about how you became an MVP. Oh, um, well, I've been involved in the community. I say, as you mentioned, my first community contribution was uh, uh, some code to do postcode lookup in CRM3, but then it came to CRM4. We put it on the MSDN Code Gallery. And I got, uh, uh, that was Jim Glass, if you know Jim organize that and i got a nice uh, yellow dynamics community polo shirt which of course in american size is three times too big for me and i've hardly ever worn it <laughs> so that was my first thing and, and i've always been involved in user groups before in previous technologies I was, I was quite heavily involved in the ingress user group back in the 90s where i used to do that so i've always been a fan of them uh, and it we never really got it going in Dynamics. I think it was, there was a fledging user group started about 2011, but didn't really go anywhere. Then it sort of grew. And I I was I was very busy working with my previous partner. I uh, had a bit of problems actually getting to spend time on community work because they, my fellow uh, partners, were not that in favor of it. But whereas I was, that was a little difficult. So... But I made a conscious effort about four years ago to start getting involved, going to more community meetings, speaking. And then I started doing other things like I run study groups now on certification. So I'll be starting another one fairly soon. I've got a Twitter poll right now. If you if you search for me on Twitter on Julian Dynamics, you'll see it's got a few more days to run. And we'll be, we do a tw uh, it's twice a week, an hour a week. So Thursday evenings and Sunday mornings, nice and early. And we just go through the exam in terms of the content. so it's, I like it. I like it really good, and we'll make sure we, we get that in the show notes. Yeah, so it's, I typically have about 100 people sign up, and generally about – I mean, we do record it, and but there is always 30 or 40 people attending each session. And we've done a lot of fundamentals. I've done about six or seven of them now. Really good. And as well as that, as well as I'm, 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 a, I'm helping out at Embass tomorrow – evening i'm on two table talks one on certification one on dynamics community and i'm also moderating the questions for the learn session on customer insights and i spoke at ignite so i've done lots of speaking speaking is what i like to do nice nice any recommendations for folks wanting to become an mvp i think you have to learn what okay 
first thing is everybody's doing lots of things. Don't don't try and say, oh, somebody else is doing so I'm not. There's always a good approach. You can always have your own insights. You'll be giving your own um, thoughts on something just because somebody else has done something, say, on, say, marketing. Don't think you can't. Uh, just because there's other – don't copy it, but put your own spin on it, your own thoughts. So find something that's unique to you. I think one of my problems is I'm a bit too broad in a sense. I don't have a focus. I play around with lots of different parts of the platform. I don't know if you're the same. Whereas a number of other MVPs, they're very focused on one topic, like their portals or their marketing or their uh, – and I think that's if – if, if I was advising anybody to be an MVP, find something that's unique to you. I think Megan's a good example. She started off with uh, Forms Pro stroke Customer Voice and did a lot on that. Um, so maybe find something that somebody else isn't doing or doesn't matter if they have take a different approach on it. Maybe say there's, there's, a, there's a distinct lack of introductory material required. A lot, a lot of people, there's a lot of the MVPs do very technical stuff, very deep. And that's great if you're into that. But there's a, I think there's still like, how do I get started with this? Uh, what, what, what's involved in day to day? That, that's more interesting. I think uh, I know some people who they've posted what they post on the videos. They say they get more views on the introduction stuff than all the detailed stuff they spent hours and hours and hours producing. So true. So true. Good insights there. Julian, thank you for coming on the show. We'll make sure we get uh, those various resources you referred to, um, as well as your, your programs that you run for the community, up on the, um, uh, on the notes um, for this thanks episode. For uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP Mark Smith, also known as the NZ365 Guy. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review at nz365guy.com forward slash review. Uh, remember to like and subscribe in your favorite pub- podcast player. Stay safe out there and see you next time.